1: Great Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Great job by Austin on Sounds of the Week right there. Brought to you by our friends at Serink Networks, home to complete business, telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Hanging out with you live today with our friends at Robbins Sports right here in Bountiful 110 West Center Street. You can check them out online as well at RobinSports.com. Get those Little League teams geared up and uh, looking sharp dot robinsports.com. Gordon, it's time for What's Going On. And uh, we uh, take a look at the big headlines, the big opinions across the Zone Sports Network. Usually we take a couple of uh, clips from the other shows. Today we're going to play... Uh, Ryan Lacey's interview with DJ and PK, we're going to play um, basically it, in its entirety. But uh, Gordon, you know, he was one who vocalized uh, his experience at the University of Utah and Morgan Scally saying that uh, Morgan had used that word with him before. And I, I think it's great that Ryan was able to, to come on with those guys and expand on what he was talking about a little bit more. We
0: saw what All you right. tweeted out about uh, the language, the racial slur you accuse uh, Morgan Scally of using. And I'm, I'm curious, what was the situation? Was it a one-time situation? Was it something that happened more than once? Uh,
2: uh, no, it, it, it was a one-time situation. Um, and I was a freshman when it happened. And it was a quick thing that happened. You know, I practice. And I, I just held on to it for for a long time, you know, and I just kind of that, that word just made me look at that coach a little different. So then when I was I was a senior and, uh, you know, I went through my career, I decided to approach him and, you know, tell him that, you know, this wasn't right. And, you know, I held on to this for so long. And, you know, we did kind of get an apology from it. And uh, we moved on.
3: Did you report it to anybody during that time, during your time at Utah?
2: I did not, but, you know, there were teammates around when that word was used, um, and I, 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 yeah, I didn't report it to anybody. I didn't feel like I had the place as a freshman to go report it, or I, I, I didn't know.
0: Kind of set the scene for us, because players spend a lot of time around coaches. There's times right. in meetings and meeting rooms. There's times on the practice mm-hmm. field. You know, on the practice field, somebody your coaches yell at players from 30 yards away. So right. what, what happened? What was the situation?
2: um uh, the situation is uh, i mean I don't want to disclose exactly what happened um uh, just you know, but uh, it was used at, at practice um uh, in front of me and a couple of other players and uh it was a, it was a disrespectful thing to say and um and, and we dealt with it and um right now the situation at hand is what um uh, the, the racially uh explicit text that that family was sent.
3: Did you know about the text messaging so when this story came out, it wasn't a surprise to you?
2: I did not know about the text message. I saw the article, and uh, I went to the article, and I was reading through, and I hit Twitter, and I'm never really on Twitter that much. and I saw the family getting a lot of backlash from um, from, um, what they felt like was explicit in the text. And so I replied based on, you know, protecting the family, not really thinking that anyone was going to see it. Just, you know, that I've experienced that, too, so they weren't alone. So I was standing with the family, and I wasn't expecting it to blow up and be on any platform, but it did.
0: Yes, it definitely did. So I'm curious, have you been uh, contacted? The U's doing an investigation. Have you been contacted? And if so, by who?
2: Um, I wouldn't want to disclose that information either, but I have I've spoken to my university rep, and uh, we're going to handle it kind of that way.
3: So we have you saying that he called you the word, and then we know that he's admitted that he sent it to a family in a text. Do you know of any right. other instances with any other former teammates that it may have been said I, I do not I mean
2: I had my the, my incident with him and that was mine and I mean if anybody else has I, I wouldn't know about it. But I do see a lot of uh former players coming out with their truth and, and you know the experience they have with that coach. And you know, um other than that I, I didn't I haven't heard him say it to anyone else or you know.
0: So have you been in touch with the players who were around who witnessed the uh the when he used it with you?
2: You said what you said there were some
0: other players I, there.
2: I, I have not uh, spoken to anyone. I kinda I'm not really a social media guy and once it blew up like I just kinda shut down. Like I, I wasn't reading any other tweets or reaching out to anybody. I was just commenting on that um, post of the family just to, you know to stand with them. And uh and, and yeah
3: so ryan when i was growing up it was understood in my generation man if you use that word that was the ultimate insult and it's just something that you just did not do even in whatever conversation and in whatever situation you were in Mm -hmm. what does that word mean to you and to your generation do you think
2: it's a deep word because you know i we have i'm ancestors that um you know, are of the African-American descent. And if that word was used around my grandpa, you know, back in, you know, it's just something that it's not okay at all Uh, to me. You know, whether the word is used a lot more loosely now by a lot, a lot of people, but to, to, you know, from a, you know, white coach perspective to call another black kid that is, is the ultimate disrespect in my book. Um, but that me that word is it was it's not even used my dad won't even let me use that word in my household, so that's the kind of how deep it is for my family but it's it's way deeper than the word because the word has a lot of history behind it, you know, and the history is not good history, it's history of oppression of of our of our people, and that's just something that you don't do you know and and that's what it is
0: Ryan Lacey joining us former Utah defensive back. So, some of the players who have come out uh, have spoken about uh, both to us, but to other publications as also have said, uh, in their opinion, in their interaction, uh, you know, there are issues with Morgan that need to be addressed, but they don't right. want to see him let go. Is that how you feel, or you feel differently?
2: I, I, I would I, I would never want to see, you know, uh, uh, anyone lose their career over a mistake because we all make mistakes. And, you know, and, and we can all come, recover from mistakes. And um, I would not want to see him, you know, he has a family, you know, he has a wife, and I would not want to see, you know, him lose his job over a mistake. You know, I, I, I forgive him, and I feel like, you know, it, it, we can all forgive him. But it's just something that, you know, it, it's a mistake at the end of the day.
3: You said by the time you were a senior, I want to make sure that this is correct. It was said uh, to you as a freshman, and so then a few years later, when you're a senior, he approached you and apologized. How did you react at that time? We know what you're saying now, but at that time, how did you react?
2: Uh, um well, I approached him initially with my truth of how I held on to that word, and you know, and I wanted him to know that you know I felt some type of way for him saying that, but when I got the apology, I just i didn't. I didn't feel satisfied, but it was an apology, you know, and I, I didn't take it on with me after that, you know, just, just something that I wanted to let out, and I was more um, um, relieved that I got that off my chest than wanting an apology. Like, I'm glad that he heard that, you know, I was upset about that.
0: So, uh, you've, you've mentioned this a couple times, and I don't know how to kind of summarize it, just... So I need a little clarification. The, the apology, it was heartfelt. You felt it 100%. There was a little bit of a hang-up there. You couldn't fully. It, 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 it,
2: was, it was a little bit of an excuse of uh, I've done this with my old teammates, and this is kind of something that, like, I didn't mean to, but it was like it, more of like I, meant I was joking with you more than like, oh, I apologize if that hurt you. It wasn't an apology like that. It was more of like, oh, I was joking around. Like, uh, you know, I didn't mean it like that.
3: Okay, so at the time when you say he said it, in your mind there was no question that it wasn't a joking situation. I'm sorry, can you uh, repeat that? At the time he said it, in your mind, it wasn't a situation in which it was meant lighthearted. It wasn't a joke.
2: Uh, The word period, it, it wasn't a joke to me whether he said it in a joking manner or he said it serious, it wasn't a joke at all. It was the word that, that was what we're talking about.
0: You say this bothered you over the course of the three years or so. Uh, did you yeah. have any any other conversations with the teammates who witnessed it and how they took it and how they processed it and how they felt about it over time?
2: Um, n- not exactly. When it happened, the teammates I was around we all looked at each other and a. Like a uh, confused, okay, whatever type thing. We're at practice and we'll let it go. And when I did approach him, I did speak to one player about the situation at hand. And, and uh, Morgan actually apologized to both of us at the same time. It wasn't just me alone, it was another player that was apologized to during that time.
3: What's your relationship with the University of Utah football program now, Ryan? Um I have a great relationship.
2: I go to every single game. I'm still in touch with Coach Shaw very closely. I love him to death. Um I'm uh you know, every game I'm I'm there in California. I'm still in touch with a lot of my teammates, but I I feel like I have a great relationship with the university program, football program.
0: So you are you living in Sacramento now? Yes. So when you go to the games, are you talking about going to Stanford or Cal or maybe down to L.A.?
2: Yeah, Stanford, Cal, and then, you know, they played out here in uh, Levi Stadium twice, and I'm there.
3: Yeah, you're right. Um, do you have uh, any knowledge of any other coaches on the staff saying this besides Morgan Scully? Not at all.
2: No, that was one incident with uh, uh, Coach Scully, and that's about it. I haven't heard it from anybody, and I'm i, I, I Uh, Yeah, I haven't.
0: Well, we've hit you with a lot of questions here, and all in a row, and you've answered them. I'm curious if there's anything that we don't know to ask that you want to share with us.
2: Um, I I just well, I want to say something. Go, Utes, first of all. And um, this one incident does not define uh, the university, or the program, or uh, the alumni. My brothers, as uh, so. I mean, hopefully at the end of this we can all come through this in in, in a positive light and, uh, you know, continue to play football again because University of Utah is one of the most prestigious universities and great football programs out there. And I had a great time uh, playing with my brothers, and uh, that's it.
0: Well, Ryan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. I I guess one more thing. You have a good relationship with Coach Shaw. Did you ever talk to him about this?
2: I have not. I I never did. I never did. It was something that was just, you know, kind of something I held on to and brushed under the rug until I had the opportunity to present it to Scali.
1: That was Ryan Lacey, the former Ute, with DJ and PK on 97 and twelve-eighty, the zone. And I'll, I'll just start by saying that was an excellent interview. Fine work by David and Pat, as usual. You know, we we uh, uh, we anticipate that from those guys. They're terrific. But uh, I uh, good for Ryan for coming on and and talking about his experience and his feelings. And he answered all those questions. I, I thought um, I, I thought he really um, had strong words and communicated them very well. I'll agree with that
4: and I think that uh, he it's good to hear him come on and explain that because anything, anybody who heard that I think would find him to be credible. Um, now the question becomes if, if Scali used that term more than once
1: um, what does that mean for the review well dj asked him that question if he had been contacted and ryan said you know i'm, I'm i've Not talked to my to university rep and i'll leave it at that so mm-hmm. um you know the, that's yeah. the point of this investigation uh by whoever it is that's doing the investigating is to uh get these experiences so I, w- I would uh i would assume that that includes ryan Lacey. i wonder
4: if as a part of that review the people that are uh, I don't know how the individual feels who the text went to or his family, but I wonder if it makes a difference. You heard Ryan say that he wouldn't want to see
1: anybody lose their job over over this. I wonder if that makes a difference. Uh, I don't know, but I I did like his motivation for saying something. He said he was trying to defend uh, the the family or to defend the tweeter or whatever that was getting some pushback, so – he shared his experience out of a sign of support. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I thought so, that was so. A great if this happened
4: twice. Does that, does that, uh, is that convincing evidence that uh, would uh, be damaging for,
1: uh, for Morgan? Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know what standard they're operating under. Yeah. yeah
5: you know, we, too.
1: you and I talked about how we'd look at it. I mean i I still think that it comes down to the bottom line of can Morgan do his job effectively I mean, mm-hmm. and we can we can look at that a little bit more clearly, but I don't know Gordon I don't know what the I don't know what the standard is well
4: the fact that he used the term um, more than one time uh, I, I think is an indication that something needs to be corrected, and uh, maybe that was clear with just one instance but uh now that we know of two if you believe him then uh yeah uh this this message needs to be sent clearly uh and i i don't have enough information in front of me to to make the judgment myself but it is to be taken seriously and morgan uh said in his apology that he had learned and that he's not a racist um But he's used a racist term if these guys are telling the truth uh, on multiple occasions. So something
1: needs to change for sure all right brent Soboleski is going to join us coming up next he covers the nfl for bleacher report i'm hanging out with my friends at robin's sports we're here in bountiful 110 west center street in bountiful very easy to find us and uh, our friend jason joins us once again and uh jason uh, i love it that you guys do so much good uh for uh, you know kids in sports we were talking about it a little bit before the show it's important sports is important in our society and uh for everybody including kids
6: it is. It's it's such a big part of uh, of our culture. I think in uh, not only here in Utah but across the country, um, sports are uh, kind of that safe zone where kids can go. They can learn. They can be um, you know learn from excellent examples, hopefully, of coaches, and uh, get to participate in team activity where they learn so much. Um, all the ins and outs of life not just sports and X's and O's on the field. And it's good to have a it back. It's it's starting to come back slowly, um, but uh, but we're seeing it, and we're seeing these teams out on the field. So it's good.
1: Gordon, do you need a new pair of uh, football pad pants? Because uh, I'm looking at some that have your name on it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't particularly need that
4: uh, for okay. me. Okay, but... all right. I'm sure there sharing. are many teams out there who do. <laughs> do you, uh, Jason,
7: you guys,
6: Jason do, you, do you service nationally, or is it mostly local business? We do service nationally. So most of our business is local, um, but we do have several customers that we work with across the country. Obviously, I talked a little bit about our online platform. We do have robinsports.com, and we service people from – all over the country and quite frankly, from several different countries that are buying product online. Uh, however, we also work with a couple groups and uh, businesses as well that are outside of the state. Um, that's one thing that we can, that we get into a little bit is some core corporate apparel. And, um, and so we've been able to work with uh, businesses and then even um, a, a company that produces and has, um, has produced a, a documentary film and so it's been hmm. a really cool wow. process going through that as well
1: that is cool and but yeah. one of the benefits of you being right here in Bountiful as you mentioned earlier on in the show is uh, it's not just a click a button and cross your fingers and hope it shows up in the mail okay you'll take everybody through the whole experience make sure it's looking sharp and cool
6: yeah we're right here in the heart of Bountiful we love it here grew up here and uh, played sports uh, here in, in Utah, and uh, and so that's what we tried to do. We tried to build a, a little bit of a, a space where people can come in. We get teams in here to do personal fittings, um, so it's kind of nice. A coach can bring the team captains, and they can try something on, fill it, touch it before they actually Sweet. place the order. And then if it's an equipment piece, uh, we're not a, a giant retail uh, store, as you, you can see here, Jake, right. um, but we do have a few pieces here and there. So if there's a high school... A football player looking for a helmet. Um, we've got several that are here available that they can actually try on and fill it because if you go and order a helmet online, you can order from several different companies and it shows up. What if it doesn't fit? Right. Like most of those companies have a no return policy. So unfortunately, this young player or their parents are stuck with a very expensive helmet and they don't know what to do with it. So come in, you know, we have a, a couple demo units that you could try on. Uh, We'll make sure that they're sanitized and taken care of before you do so. And uh, place the order. A couple weeks later, it comes in exactly what you want. Love it.
1: All right, 110 West uh, Center Street here in Bountiful, uh, robinsports.com. Or here's the number, 801-224-4418. That's 801-224-4418. Find out what Robin Sports can do for you. Jason, thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take out the papers and the
2: trash. Oh, you don't get no. Just finish cleaning up your room
7: Let's see that
2: dust out with that broom
7: Get all that garbage
2: out of sight Or you
1: don't go out Friday
5: night Don't go back
1: You just put on your coat and hat Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordo, let's talk a little NFL football. Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He writes for The Bleacher Report, covers the NFL. He's our friend Brent Soboleski on The Big Show. Brent, how are you?
7: Well, afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. And just like everyone else, I'm just trying to survive the apocalypse. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no kidding. Well, we appreciate you jumping on with us, Brent. And you know, let's let's start out with uh, the NFL and Roger Goodell in particular, his uh, change of tune when it comes to social justice. What uh, what were your thoughts on uh, uh, when you saw him in that video?
7: It's about time, and quite frankly. And this isn't necessarily from a political point of view. And I know people have their own prerogative on how, what they feel about Colin Kaepernick and what he was trying to accomplish. At the same time, there was clearly an active effort by the league not to have him sign. Now I'm not saying that they necessarily sent out a memo, the blackballed him or anything along those lines, although they did pay him out a pay out once he sued the league. But at the same time, When you hear some of the excuses that are coming out of coaches when his name is coming up again, specifically Pete Carroll within the past 24 hours, it's just flabbergasting how little they're prepared to answer a question, a very simple question, about why there was a legitimate quality quarterback on the market, and yet nobody would sign him. And it it required, essentially, the face of the NFL, the 2018 mvp and the reigning super bowl mvp to become active in these discussions for the nfl to finally change their tune because they realized now this is the now the top end elite players are becoming active and they have a voice and they want to use them so we we should support them fully and as such we see the the tune change for the league and really this is the only path they have they have to support their players they have to support their workforce they have to show that they're not going to be rigid when it comes to public involvement in their in their players' lives, and I, to me, I applaud them for finally doing so. Even though it took it's three years to three to four years too late. So, a couple of questions: Do you
4: think that this will lead to continuing uh, peaceful protests, taking a knee during the anthem by by multitudes of players coming up, and will they be joined by coaches? There was a report I saw that even Roger Goodell could get involved in that, in participating. Do you think that will happen, and do you think it's too late for Kaepernick, or will a team yet sign him?
7: Well, 100% it's going to happen. The actual involvement and participation, I don't know yet, and that's something that's still being decided between the players themselves. But we do have coaches who have been... Very open about this conversation, at least in just a matter of the last two days. Bill O'Brien said he would kneel with his team, of the Houston Texans. We've had Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns, who stated publicly that he is going to honor whatever the team decides to do and to do it together. So you will have instances where there will be not only a larger swath of players kneeling during the national Anthem at the start of this upcoming season, but you will should also see some of the coaches being involved as well. And just to show that their support for their, their men, their play, and everything that they're going through as a community. And rightly so. And when it comes to Colin Kaepernick, I do not believe he will be signed, and it's mainly because of timing at this juncture. You know, when you are now four years removed, essentially, from the last time you played any meaningful football, and as such, you can legitimately rationalize not signing him as compared to a few years back when he could, would have been a legitimate option for multiple teams. Considering just for trying to think of a nice word here the riffraff that was signed to be backup quarterbacks in the last few seasons. And so if he may get workouts, but if he doesn't show up and look like the same Colin Kaepernick we grew accustomed to before he was out of the league, there's now rationalization to not sign him.
1: Brent Soboleski is with us, uh, covers the NFL for Bleacher Report. And Brent, amidst all this, there's, oh, I don't know, a global pandemic still going on. And the NFL has been pretty you know, determined that uh, their season is going to proceed with, uh, you know, uh, without a hitch. How confident are you in that actually happening? And is the NFL making backup
7: plans that they're just not talking about very much? Well, I'm 99.9% sure that the season will happen in some form or fashion now. The question from that point is, will it continue and will it conclude more so than will it start? This is a league that has basically walked a tightrope when it come, when it's come to how they've handled the pandemic. Not Brandon. This is the off season, but they still went full full bore ahead when it came to the new league year, free agency, the NFL draft, and. Did in every step of those way, of the way they were very successful in doing so. Now, obviously, it's very different when it comes to the season. They have to make, take different precautions, and we've seen that recently with the memo that was released to all 32 teams and what they need to do to adhere to standards to try to prevent any any outbreaks of the COVID 19 virus, and so. Now those teams have to prepare for that inevitability with social distancing practices within their facilities, rearranging their locker rooms, looking at facilities maybe in outdoors instead of maybe playing uh, and practicing in indoor facilities. And there's a lot that's going to go along with it, a lot of it uh, when it comes to just making sure everyone's healthy and that they're keeping everything clean and sanitized. But when it comes down to it, the league itself is prepared fully to start the year on time they, they as early as june 26th, they're talking about letting some players enter facilities then you'll be in july then you'll start looking at training camps even if they're truncated to a degree and within the the schedule itself and this is what a lot of people i don't think realize if you look at it specifically once you get past week one once you get to weeks two and three the way that the schedule is set up, the majority of games aren't division games, so they're not necessarily as important to playoff races. As such, if there is some type of major outbreak that occurs during week one because of all the players, you know, being physical, sweating all over each other, and just the rigors of the game unto itself, they can basically wipe out those two weeks to allow players to step back, get healthy, you know, quarantine themselves, and then potentially resume the season again. So there are, there are things built within the schedule, and there are plans that go uh, that defer from your regular setup of the regular season. If you're looking at a 14-10 game season, that the NFL is already planned out for, so that they can make sure they move forward with this year and not potentially lose it. Much like it looks like baseball could potentially do.
4: Okay, so to be clear for fans, what does it mean? Will they be watching these these games? exclusively exclusively from their homes on television or will there be some folks in the stands
7: well that hasn't been decided yet and it really it comes down to that's that's determined by each individual state and so for example i, I live in the state of ohio and i know that the ohio state university which we're talking about 110,000 people in ohio stadium you know one of the biggest stadiums in the country has already taking the precautions and expectations of only playing at 25 percent capacity this year so if the nfl is potentially taking those same type of approaches based on whatever is capable to them by state requirements then that's what we'll likely see we'll see someone on the field now the question is and the answer isn't there yet is will we see 25% capacity, maybe 50% capacity? I doubt we're going to see 100% capacity at any point this year. We may see 0% capacity from a fan perspective, but there will be a game on the field. We'll just may have record-breaking TV ratings because everyone's at home watching them.
1: Real quick, uh, slipping in an actual football question for you, Brent. You can imagine Taysom Hill playing his college football at BYU is quite popular around here, and uh, talking about Taysom and his future is always a hot topic. Do you think he could be a starting quarterback at the NFL level, or is really this hybrid role what's best for him, you think?
7: I think he's found a niche, to be quite honest with you, gentlemen. I I remember watching him at BYU. It was both exhilarating to see him play, and yet— Disheartening to see how many injuries he had to go through throughout his career. And so you're always rooting for a person like that that's overcome so much, especially with him physically. Now, with that said, you're looking at a quarterback who's almost thirty years old that has attempted thirteen career passes, and then sitting right next to him in the same quarterback room is oh yeah, that former number one overall pick who led the league last year in passing yards. Now albeit James Winston also led the NFL in interceptions. But he's done a tremendous job this offseason to, one, he finally got his nearsightedness corrected with LASIK, uh, LASIK surgery. Two, he's dropped 25 pounds this offseason. He's more prepared to learn under Sean Payton and Drew Brees than he's ever been in his career to really take a step back. And so if you were asking me personally which one I believe would have the better chance long-term to, to become Drew Brees' heir apparent, I would look more towards Winston than Hill.
4: Another local player of interest around here, uh, uh, Jordan Love with the Packers. What do you make of the Packers drafting him with Aaron Rodgers uh, sitting right there?
7: See, I don't. I never had a problem with the actual selection of him in the first round. If you believe that he can be a potential first round, or, or excuse me, franchise quarterback, then you make that investment because you know that long term, Aaron Rodgers has four or five years at most. I mean, you don't want to really. Playing for anything longer than I understand, you know, Tom Brady's going to be forty-two and Drew Brees is going to be forty-one. But at the same time, there are exceptions to the rule rather than what we generally see at the position. So when you know that his time is coming to an end and you see that potential and another prospect and have an opportunity to select the quarterback position of the future, you do so. The issue with what Green Bay did wasn't necessarily that they took Jordan in the first round. It's what they did beyond that point without really addressing their biggest need on their entire roster which was wide receiver which is would have been beneficial to both Rodgers and love long term if you would have invested in a secondary wide receiver to go along with with Devontae Adams now you're building a great cockpit so to help Aaron Rodgers in the short term compete for not only playoff spot division titles and maybe a Super Bowl but allow him to grow up together with your quarterback of the future and to me that's where the biggest mistake is especially when you consider this year's NFL Wide receiver class, drafts wide receiver class was the deepest in history. And that's not even me being hyperbolic. That's statistically true because through the first three rounds, you have more wide receivers drafted than at any point in NFL history. And if you can't find a quality option at that point, you might be doing something wrong.
1: Brent, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. I appreciate it. That's our friend Brent so- <clears throat> Soboleski. He covers the NFL for the Bleacher Report, so uh, fun to check in with him on, uh, obviously, a lot still going on. You know, the NFL really does dominate year-round, doesn't it, Gordon? It's always a hot topic. It does. It does. It is uh, America's game. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we'll get to a Mountain America market update coming up next. Howard Beck at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Thurl Bailey is going to be on the show at 5. Stay tuned. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, hanging out with our friends at Robbins Sports here in Bountiful, 110 West Center Street. Feel free to drop on by and see us. It is time for another Mountain America market update. Uh, Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services, Mark Cabanilla is with us uh, back on the big show. Hi, Mark. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, please tell us the markets did better today than yesterday.
8: Yes, I'm happy to report that the Dow Jones Industrial gained 477 points today or finished 1.9% higher. Uh, S&P rose as well at 1.3% to 3,041, and the Nasdaq as well jumped 1%. Downside, I guess we're still down for the week. That Dow and the S&P are still down 5.5, and S&P down 4.7 for the week. But you know, better news today than there was yesterday. So people are you know took their profits this week, but are coming back in a little bit in the market. So it was a good day.
4: Is that just the way it's going to be? You're going to have some uh, some days when it's down and some days when it's up. And if that is the case, what advice do you have for investors?
8: Yeah, you know, and I'm happy. you said that I think that with all this recent market volatility, is kind of getting us to think about. guess what I'm recommending a lot of people is to reevaluate, you know, their risk tolerance and their portfolios, just to make sure that they're not taking unnecessary risks. So they're not. Um, doing something that's out of line with, with their goals. And I just kind of wanted to illustrate that real quickly um, to use a golf analogy. So I'm a big golfer, and sometimes I'm really tempted to take driver off the tee on every hole because I think i got to hit it really far in order to reach my goals. But sometimes it's, it's more important probably just to take a five or a six and just hit it 210 down the fairway. You, know, you, might, you might not be closer to the green, but give yourself you know, better success. Um, So just not taking unnecessary risks is something that we're just recommending so people aren't, you know, just buying and selling often and just sticking to their goals. So sometimes it's better not to take the driver. (laughs) I like it.
1: Hey, Mark, thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. All right, no worries. See you guys. That's our friend Mark Cabanilla from Mountain America Investment Services, and that is another Mountain America Market Update.
0: The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America credit union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.
1: All right, there you go. We are live at Robin Sports. We're going to have Howard Beck coming up right around the corner. Uh, but we're here, 110 West Center Street in Bountiful. And our friend Jason joins us once again. And, uh, Jason, uh, we have somebody with us. And, of course, uh, our listeners will uh, will recognize the voice and name. But how about you uh, give us
6: a little introduction? Uh, absolutely. So I'm happy to be here with uh, my good friend, uh, Teo of uh, alta football and all poly sports um alema's getting ready for the the all poly camp that's coming up and i'll let him talk about that but uh, i wanted to introduce him and uh, a little bit about what we're doing together uh, with robin sports uh, and all poly we have established a relationship where we can uh, we're their sole provider of uh, apparel and gear for the camp so we deck out the campers with shirts and hats and lanyards and jerseys or whatever they need, right? And so we work directly with Alema and his team at All Poly, and I love it because this is such a good camp. Um, It's it's amazing. It's been around for over 20 years. It's been one of the staples of Utah football and, quite frankly, out in the western United States, one of the premier camps um, for prep athletes, for prep football players. And so we've been working together for a few years, right, Alema? Yeah, yeah. And it's been a great partnership, and I've loved working side-by-side side with this guy. Uh, he was actually one of my football coaches in high school, so we go back a little right. ways. <laughs> and um, and anyway, I'm, I'm proud to, to partner with All Poly Sports and with Alema, but I wanted to bring him in talk a couple minutes about his camp and what your uh, plans are for this upcoming camp.
5: Thanks, Jason, and uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Good to see you, Coach. Uh, yep uh you know as for terms of our camp right now we just got cleared by the city to get it going over there in uh, sandy will be at the lone peak park uh we've got two camps and they're going to be uh, running the consecutive days july 1st and july 2nd uh, our july 1st camp is for underclassmen camp uh, kids that are um, you know eighth graders or just leaving the eighth grade Uh, junior high age level kids they'll be coming into that camp and uh, the unique thing about that camp is we'll be able to have uh, division one coaches there like right now we've already got a commitment from BYU Uh, we'll have about eight coaches from over there Kalani will be there as well Uh, Utah State has committed um, southern Utah Dixie State Uh, we also have uh, Idaho State that's interested in coming down as well so uh Weaver State has has committed. So we have we'll have all the local uh universities there uh with coaches from that from their programs to help work that camp. Uh, that camp is uh is is trending in to be the premier uh camp for that age group right now. I think last year they're anywhere between eight to ten eighth graders got offered, you know, at the camp. You know, so we had Tennessee there last year and a couple other schools from out of state. But due to the COVID situation, right? You know, people have been hesitant to travel out this way, right? So, uh, you know, we're we're, we're going to have a lot of the local co- coaches in, in in house at that camp. So, uh, we'll be able to identify the top up and coming, you know, star players uh, for the next level at that uh, July 1st camp for our for our Rising Star Camp. July 2nd is our Varsity College Prospect Camp. Uh, we will not have Division One coaches there, but we will have uh, Division II, Division Three, junior college coaches at that camp. We will also have player representatives from Division I schools. Right now we've got commitments from players from Utah State, BYU, Dixie State. Uh, we've got Stanford, USC players that are going to be coming into that camp to help
1: wow, great. mentor
5: and lead that camp. And we're also looking at trying to set up a... Uh, some video footage for for those kids so that we can send it out to all of our coaches network that are connected to the Polynesian coaches coaches uh group that I'm involved in that's awesome and Jason mentioned that
1: it's been 20 years that, that that's a that's amazing will you talk about how the camp has grown cuz Jason was saying this
5: too i mean it's really helped put you know Utah athletes on the map you know uh you know we had a coaches get together a few years back and uh, you know being a part of the Polynesian coaches network that uh, I helped established uh, we have uh, literally over 200 coaches in our network that are all over the country uh, well years ago right uh, you know they all they were all part of this deal before they were big names and so uh, when we sat down talked about things they they attest uh, the the rise of High school football in the state of utah to the all poly camp in terms of the recruitment yeah. uh 20 years ago you might get five or six division one guys right now you're getting anywhere between 25 and 30. wow out of that group now 85 percent of them are polynesian and so uh so we've seen things grow a lot over the last two decades plus and uh you know we, we've been very Very excited about being a part of that history and uh, establishing a good reputation here in the state of Utah, although we do get a lot of players that come from out of state. Uh, This year we'll be yet to see because of the COVID situation, but we've been very fortunate, very blessed to see a lot of great players go through, see a lot of great coaches come through, and uh, we look to continue that moving forward. All right, so the website,
1: allpolysports.com get online allpolysports.com and of course uh, we're here
5: at robin sports and uh, you guys have a great partnership that's terrific. Can I can I just say one quick thing uh, so everybody knows too we're we're limited in the amount of kids that we can take. Normally we're taking we're getting anywhere between 350 and 400 kids. We can only take 200 right, right. now. So everything's been restricted and so if you are interested in getting in I would, I would do so right away. The sooner the better. Yeah. yeah the sooner the
1: better. Because they're not
5: allowing us to do any walk-up right. registration.
1: Right. So. Okay. So get on it. AllPolySports.com. AllPolySports.com. Coach, it is great to see you. Thank Thanks you. for dropping by. Thank you very much. And that's, uh, of course, Jason from Robin Sports. Check him out, RobinSports.com. We'll have more of the big show. Howard Beck joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.